Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. Today, I have an amazing guest. Uh, his name is Jeff McCabe. He is the founder of the Divi Project and of Lightning Works. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love talking about anything to do with crypto and blockchain. Awesome. Great to have you. And I had uh, Nick as a guest back in June as well. So, um, but you guys He's are my totally co-founder. Yeah, you guys are up to amazing things. So I was like, I jumped at the chance to interview you. Um, so let's kick things off. Uh, easy question. What is your background and is it a logical background for what you do now? Yeah, so I have a master's degree in physics, um, which I got at the University of Central Florida a long time ago. I'm 53 now, so that was almost 30 years ago. And I never used that degree, though, although I stayed in tech and I was always a, a nerd. You know, I was coming to president of the computer club in high school, that kind of thing. I started a jewelry company in China and it got to be very large. I had a thousand, I had a thousand workers in a series of factories and sold all over the world. I ended up with 30 retail store, stores at one point. Eventually I moved to Costa Rica and I opened a couple of hotels. I started an eco village here and a real estate company. So I've done a whole bunch of different things. So when people ask me like what, relevant what, what is sort of relevant about my background i think the most important thing to understand is the a consistent uh, amount of of entrepreneurship and successful companies you know that involve you know 20 plus employees is kind of where we're at with a lot of crypto companies too so that's being a developer is not you know for some a lot of the famous cryptocurrencies are started by developers right so some people think that oh well maybe that's who should be leading companies but those are kind of the the random accidents in many ways that people that are very brilliant and started first most of the companies started by tech by developers out of college fail because they don't have the business skills right so so having the right business background and a wide variety of things has really served us very well and i think it's going to become even more important in the future because as the space matures product development and understanding customer service and and just product in general will become more important every year going forward i agree so you said some words there and i wasn't going to ask this but i have to um you said eco village you said real estate and you said china um there's something going on today in china with real estate isn't there i just want to get your quick opinions on that um well i actually don't know specifically what you're talking about i know there's a mass there's been a massive retail or like a retail bubble in prices in china um but that's actually happened a couple times before and somehow the government seems to they have you know government there has total control over everything so it's a it's a uh, totalitarian state for the most part and so they're able to do all kinds of things that can't be done and prevent sort of collapse and bubble cycles in ways that 
don't happen in, in the United States when you have a more disorganized, decentralized system like the U.S. or the West has where nobody's really in charge. Great. Um, so thank you. Um, so I wanted to find out, let's uh, ask first, you know, what is the latest update on the status of the Divi project? Uh, well, so right now, I think people are most excited that we've released our mobile wallet. We've gotten huge, huge kudos for that. The mobile wallet is done really well, and it's, I think, the easiest to use. So now we've now that we have that platform, we're working on new features so we can roll out one feature after the other. So people that are using it, like I've used a lot of other, a lot of other wallets, but I use our own because it's just the easiest way to, to send and receive Bitcoin. Just the way it functions is better than everything else out there. Um, we're missing some features that will be coming in over the next several months that some of the other wallets have, but but overall it's sort of better if you're mainly just sending and receiving Bitcoin or Divi or Litecoin or, or Ethereum too. It works really well and people just love it. So we've been just adding so, so many people without really doing any marketing People are telling their friends about it, and so that's done really well. Um, and once we, it's more full featured, it'll be even more popular. Um, we also have something called Divi Go that was launched almost maybe two years ago, I would say, where we have Divi, we can sell Divi and Bitcoin and Litecoin. You have it in a WhatsApp wallet, so you can send it to people in WhatsApp. You can stake your Divi, and it doesn't do very much. Um, we it's we've added a thousand people to it while doing everything we can to suppress that. Like we have referral links built in, but we don't we haven't activated them because we don't want people. We actively tell everyone, please, it's you know it's an alpha. Don't send your friends, but people keep sending it to their friends. So it's been growing anyway, just because of people being really excited about how how easy it is. When that's done, you're going to be able to get people into crypto in ten seconds. People don't need to don't need to download an app. They just talk to a bot and it's just so ridiculously easy that it it makes it work where people are gonna be thinking, why do I need an app? And when that fully rolls out, it'll have more features than any other wallet in the space, plus being the easiest. So it's going to be a, have a big impact, I think, in the whole crypto space with uh, the Divi Go wallet. I've always traditionally thought that WhatsApp is like a texting app or like a phone call app. Um, how does that work that it's that you're building apps inside of that? So a lot of people don't know this, but WhatsApp has a whole system of bots and there's actually companies that you can talk to and make a deal with that run bots and they and they connect with an SDK that's for bots that WhatsApp has developed. And so the way it would work, for example, is you basically just make the Divi Go bot a contact and then you chat with it and you say something like send 500 divi to john and then it sends some 500 divi it's that easy and it's like ridiculously so ridiculously easy that it's it's like why do i need a wallet anymore you don't really need it and from a developing point of view it's really easy good for us too because you don't have this complicated front end and there's more and more resistance to people wanting to add another app to their phone people are just choking on too many apps right so you people that's a, a huge point of friction right when we, when you're developing software you're always thinking about friction like where are the points where people are saying no i don't need this i don't want this or i'll put this off till, till later which means they never do it so um you want to get past all that this is so easy because if you want to send divi to somebody you can just send them 
send them a message at the link. They click the link. Now they have Divi, they have Bitcoin, they have whatever you send them in a wallet. And they can sell it, they can trade it, they can swap it, they can do whatever they want with it. It's really quite remarkable. That's awesome. No, I, I have so many apps on my iPhone. I can't even find the ones that I that I didn't want to use that I need to use. You know? Yeah, right me there. too. I sometimes can't, I can't recognize them among all the buttons, and so I can't find them. Like I, for some reason, I have trouble finding the YouTube one. It just doesn't stand out, stand out for me. So I sometimes have to go to the app store, app store, and type in the app I'm looking for, so I can just open it there rather than because because it, it's just funny. Like, yeah, if you have too many apps, and that's a huge problem, and it's going to become more of a problem. That's why having having it built in and and what happened was we WeChat sort of built this kind of system and ever and all and caught everyone in the West by surprise, they created a whole system where you can use WeChat for everything. There's a zillion bots in there. Of course, everything probably runs through the government filters and they track everything that everybody does in China. In the US, it's, we hope, a little bit different, um, but especially with Signal and with Telegram, you get a little bit more anonymity probably than with WhatsApp. And because people don't trust Facebook, right? So what we're doing is building it into all the chat apps at once. No matter what chat app you open up, you're going to have your wallet in there. And it's going to work in Gmail. It'll work anywhere there's an SDK. You'll find DVGo, and you'll be able to use your cryptocurrencies and fiat currencies within the same wallets. Um, also, NFTs. We have it working with NFTs. So imagine you're going to be able to take a photo of something and mint it as an NFT just by typing in mint as NFT. After, after you take the photo, create it, and you could create a group in WhatsApp, and you can auction that off. You can imagine what that's going to do for influencers, and when that's built into uh, Instagram and other places where influencers tend to post a lot of photos, they'll be able to, within these chat apps, mint NFTs and sell them um, for Divi or other cryptocurrencies that are partnered with us. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to do that. I have a lot of pictures, <laughs> so I'm going to mint them. Thank you. Um, so let me let me we, we talked about China a little bit. Let me talk about um, you know you're in Costa Rica. Let me talk about let's talk about El Salvador first because um, it's near you and um, the you know they made a decision recently actually um, to endorse and embrace Bitcoin for their citizens. You know how do you see the importance and potential impact of El Salvador's uh, decision on the Bitcoin uh, world? You know, it's, it goes beyond that. It, this is really about com countries, like they don't care about Bitcoin so much. What they care about is taking back financial power for themselves because from the United States, you know, the United States has a culture of imperialism in Latin America. And when El Salvador did this, people that are involved like with the, with the delegation, like Brock Pierce, that, I went down to El Salvador with, he got calls from all over the world, from world leaders saying, you know, how do we do this? You know, tell us what to do. Can you guys come to do this here? You know, because people are tired of the U.S. dollar and the bullying that goes on. You know, it, it hasn't happened now, but if this has happened 20 years ago, there would have been bombs dropped already or the CIA would have assassinated the world leader. That's how important it was to the U.S., and at least the people that ran the U.S. at that time, that's how important it was for them to control the hegemony of the U.S. dollar. And they were really willing to use the, the military about that to enforce that. 
that's kind of changed, right? That there's so much, it's just so hard to stop cryptocurrencies at this point with, with China coming out with their digital yuan, which will be all over the world. The US government has realized that they can't really um, control things like the way they used to. And so this is a big, this is like, like the, El Salvador opened a crack in the door um, and Bitcoin was kind of the tool to do it, to sort of create a more, I think, diverse and decentralized series of money, types of money around the world. I, the way I see it, you know, Bitcoin will probably always be the most valuable and most important of these. I think it'll eventually be worth, you know, $50 trillion or something like that. Um, but the rest of the cryptocurrencies put together will probably always be around the same they are now. They'll probably be worth fifty percent of what Bitcoin is, or maybe what what Bitcoin is all put together. Bitcoin will always sort of be this gold standard of crypto, and so many sort of practical things come with that. And El sort El Salvador, they realized, you know, the the president realized that if he could get everybody in El Salvador to have a little bit of cryptocurrency, a little bit of Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is likely to go up 50 times if it keeps going the way it's been going. I mean, it's gone up 200% a year on average for 11 years straight. There's no reason why it wouldn't keep going. going. And they've, you know, the, the mainstream media has been hating on Bitcoin every year since it started, and that hasn't stopped it from growing 200% a year. Now, you know, banks are getting into it. PayPal's getting into it. Elon Musk is talking about it. It's taking over, and there's no reason why it won't keep going up 200% a year. They realize that, and if they can, if they can take a poor country where the average net worth is very low and get 100 bucks worth of Bitcoin in everybody's hands, and it goes up 50 times, they can turn, they can basically create somewhat of a new middle class. They can enrich the entire country by getting Bitcoin into their into their system right so that's one of that's one of the reasons that the president saw this great opportunity 70 percent of the people in in uh el salvador never have had any banking at all 70 percent so the first digital money they will ever have the first banking experience that they will ever have will be bitcoin so that's pretty amazing when you think about the majority of a population of a country their first use of digital money is cryptocurrency. What does that do? How does that change the culture? And a lot of people are saying, well, they're just going to sell it to buy coffee or buy a beer or whatever, and that's fine. But they've used it. They're not afraid of it anymore. And the ones that don't sell it will be when Bitcoin goes up, because Bitcoin's going to keep going up, they will be laughing at their friends that sold it and say, I told you so, like all the rest of us are that have been saying to all our friends and family, I told you so. And now they're all now they're all asking us, like, how do I get this Bitcoin stuff? What do I do? You know, I don't know if I don't know what your personal story is, but every person I know in crypto, their friends and family that used to laugh at them are getting into it now and asking how to do it. Right. So um, something something really switched this year when Bitcoin came back and broke the 20,000 barrier. It changed everybody's minds, you know, because there was so much FUD through all of crypto winter saying that, you know, Bitcoin was at 20,000 and all these people, they got all excited. They lost their their money when it went back down, went down to 3,000 or something. And then it came back up and went up to 60, you know, and that's what all of us were telling them. It's like, you watch, you know, don't sell it. Hold on. And a lot of people did. Ones that didn't saw and the people, there's a phenomenal belief now in cryptocurrency and especially in women things really change for young women so many young women i've talked to 
said they saw their boyfriends or their ex-boyfriends or their brother make a bunch of money off of crypto and they didn't get into it. Very few women did for various reasons. It you know, would be a great subject for a two-hour podcast. Um, but the fact is that women are extremely important in the space because they control the majority of household spending, and at least in Western countries. And getting them into crypto is one of the most important things. And and nobody is is talking to, really talking to women. Women are still operating in a very male dominated space and male oriented space. So that's one of the things we're, that I've always wanted to do with Divi. Um, the time wasn't right before, but it's the time is right now. So one of the plans I have right now is um, working on a program to really bring women that's really for women. It's, my theory is that women will enjoy learning about cryptocurrencies in a different way than men do. Like men, you can kind of send them a link and send them, say, do your own research, and they'll research it and all that. But for women, they would prefer to learn from a friend, um, hang out you know, at the coffee shop and have somebody show them for an hour or so, like how this works, you know, kind of talk them through it, talk about their lives, and show them, you know, what to do, and then give them a series of videos to watch and a different and a bunch of links, so they don't feel stupid in the beginning. And and I think that so that's we're trying to build a program that's that works along those lines um, for for DiviGo, and it makes it really easy with the chat app wallet I was telling you about because we can just you know a woman can sit sit next to another woman and say here let me give you your first crypto and she they just pull out their phones send them a message boom they have crypto 10 seconds later and then from there they can show them how, what they can do with it so i think that's think rethinking the whole process of onboarding people into crypto is very important and it's not just for women that whole thing that i just told you about is really for everybody but i think it's going to we're going to focus on women because it's um something that nobody else is doing and i think that women are the biggest market right now in crypto that's sort of untapped i agree uh you asked me about my personal story I'd, i'll be brief it's not my job on this podcast to talk about myself but like many other people i was i came in 2017 and i was gaslit for three years by friends family everybody i know pretty much but this year something changed and my mom and my wife asked me to manage Bitcoin for them to how they get into it. So, you know, things are changing. Um, and I think things are changing because of leadership. And I want to ask you, you know, sticking, sticking with El Salvador and comparing some of the leadership that we don't see here in the U.S. How do you view um, Naive um, as a Bokele? I can't pronounce his last name right as a leader. Okay. And how would you how would you compare his leadership style to the actions of you know, some of these rogue government agencies that are overstepping their jurisdiction? So, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to a lot of El Salvadorans that were hanging out with us the whole time. And I can tell you that all these people were from wealthier families. They're all very well educated. They're absolutely wonderful people. Some of them, one of them owned a shoe factory. Um, one of them was running the art museum. They were... They loved Bitcoin, but they were very skeptical about their president. And the reason is, it's because for basically the last 30 years, they've had a series of leaders that have come in that have just promised them the world and then just stole everything that they possibly could, them and their cronies, right? And it made El Salvador the murder capital of the world. It was a complete failed state. But Kelly came in and made a whole bunch of promises 
and has delivered on a lot of them. They've reduced crime by two thirds. Um, they have done a whole bunch of things in the government that, you know, it's been it's still early. They've only been in for two years, but they like like recently, um, they had the, they took over the Congress. They were so popular because of what they did that they were all the, both the other parties uh, were voted out, and they took over both houses of Congress. Um, so he's extremely popular with poor people because the people that have suffered the most in El Salvador through the, this failed state love him and they've put their full confidence in him. Um, but the people that are that are maybe not so impacted, who have more money, who are better, who are better educated, who have opportunities, a lot of them have like lived in the United States. They have the option to leave. They've, but they're also better, better educated. Um, they're more skeptical. Um, and I've talked to them a lot about this exact problem. Like, well, why don't you give him a chance? And, and they've all said the same thing. We're going to give him a chance, but we don't trust him because, because he's shown a lot of sort of authoritarian um, tendencies. And my feeling is, is that he's doing what is necessary. You know, and some of them have told me things like, well, you know, maybe they're making this whole Chivo wallet so they can steal all their money again. That's like what they think, right? And I say, you know, there's a lot easier ways to steal people's money than using a blockchain and using some really complicated and convoluted strategy of crypto of cryptocurrency to do it, you know? So cryptocurrency, first of all, you know, blockchains, you know, if he was saying we're gonna do all this in Monero, then maybe you'd be worried, but doing stuff with blockchain doesn't make sense. And I can tell you, I've talked to, you know, many of the top people in the government and the people building the wallet, and they are very sincerely working very hard to do this for the good of the, the El Salvadoran people. So I, I believe very much that they've kind of, you know, he is, he is somewhat of a strong man, but I feel like that's necessary. When you've got two um, gover government parties that have done 30 years or more of running a country into the ground that, are, that, are con that, that control a lot of the media and have done such a crappy job and still have a lot of power in the country, you kind of have to have somebody like him come in and really shake things up. And what I've seen is the way they've managed the country has been so wonderful. It's so run like a like a tech startup. Like that's not the kind of thing that a leader does when their intention is to steal all the country's money, right? I think that he, from what I've seen talking, talking to the people that are in the government that are doing this, they have a very smart long-term strategy that's designed to work. And so I have a lot of confidence in him, even if some of the methods are kind of offend the US government and other people that, because they find it to be un autocratic or undemocratic, I feel like there are times where the ends justifies the means because of the particular situation that El Salvador has found itself in. Great, awesome. So let's. So what do you think about the efficacy of the their launch? Well, so I know the people that that are doing it, and they were basically given an impossible task. And when they told us in the beginning, "Oh, we're doing this in ninety days," and I think they're already like, they're they had like eighty days. You know, basically we were joking. We were saying, you know, we all do software development, and you, you can, it's hard to add a feature to it existing piece of software, let alone add it to an entire piece of really complicated thing, software that includes banking and those cryptocurrencies, and it includes educating the entire population of how to use it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
these guys have been working day and night and and it worked they've had some problems they had to launch before than they probably ideally should have um but they hit their date they launched it it works people are using it they've had 500,000 signups so far um, last i checked and 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 they're quick so i know the people that are involved like i said so they're quickly fixing all the problems and they will they're really good teams so all that will be in the past very rapidly um and i just don't think that anybody has anything to worry about I just, it's going to run really well and um i think nobody ex we, we were very surprised that they launched anything at all we basically considered it to be impossible so where they're at considering what we know is possible in software development um is like a miracle so it shows how good they are at what they're doing and that they'll they have a very bright future with what they're doing uh, well the other thing i can tell you is that the government really has made it very clear they don't really want to be in bitcoin they're doing this because I mean, they want the country to be in bitcoin but the government itself doesn't want to be in bitcoin they're doing this app the way they're doing it because it was the only way to get it done really fast and to keep their population safe. You know, people having their banking experience for the first time, they didn't want people dealing with private keys and, and dealing with random companies all coming in and trying to convince them to use their wallet and then stealing all their money. And it'll just be like DeFi all over again with all these rug pulls going on with the El Salvadoran population. They wanted to have a centralized controlled system. They've told me they have no interest in doing adding any other cryptocurrencies because they don't want to be in the cryptocurrency business. They want to be in the business of making their country extremely attractive to business people to do business there. They don't want to be doing business. They want to just set up a really good uh, structure for the company that involves both legal, financial, and government support so that it becomes sort of the Singapore of the West. That's what they're trying to do. And Bitcoin is just one of many tools they're utilizing to make that happen. Excellent. Um, so um, I want to ask you about the what, you know, the way you explained that El Salvador was before his presidency. Um, could we make some comparisons to what to the way things are right now in some Western nations like the U.S.? And what can we in the U.S. and the West learn from El Salvador? Well, that's a good question. I think the last thing we, anybody in the, in the cryptocurrency space would want is the U.S. creating a national cryptocurrency centralized wallet. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense for the U.S. at this point. Um, it made sense for El Salvador because of the large numbers of unbanked and in the U.S., the whole system is different. You know, we've, we favor private enterprise already. The problem we have there is very different. We have a whole bunch of very old people running things that don't understand cryptocurrencies or really anything to do with technology. You know, we, we learned, the whole the United States learned how they operate when we watched their interviews with Mark Zuckerberg about Facebook and the kind of inane stupid questions that they're asking and they respond their follow-up questions it's like god these people have never used facebook and they've never used a chat app you know and they're making the technological decisions based on who knows what you know polls or something that you can't even imagine what they're doing and it's really sad really for our country that these people are making decisions and so what ends up happening is that they're you end up having all these and very powerful entrenched business interests instead writing policy 
and jockeying for position using lawyers and and all this and it has nothing to do with what's good for the country what's good for people um what's good for the planet it has nothing to do with any of that it just has to do with who has the best lawyers and lobbyists and can suck the most value out of the system for themselves short term for their quarterly statements right that's we're trying to get away from that in the u.s we want freedom to be able to innovate and iterate very quickly so we can have the best financial products that are decentralized in the world right that's and, and that's the interesting thing is the u.s is still doing it despite all of the all of the incredible obstacles like you just cannot believe the amount of money we spend on this ridiculous stuff with lawyers to try to make sure our stuff is legal and and how much of our time and energy it just sucks away into all this stuff because the sec and multiple organizations in the government if you look at the leadership of what's happening in crypto it's still mostly coming out of the us which says a lot for how good the us is at innovating and it's a lot of it's to do because if you actually know who's like running people in a lot of these companies a lot of people are not from the us but they're living in the us the us has developed this this amazing ability to attract the, the world's best and brightest um, people. Like people often ask me, well, like, how are we going to compete in the United States? How are we going to compete against China? China's got 1.3 billion. We've only got 350 million. Well, we don't have 350 million. We have 350 million plus. We have the best and brightest from the whole rest of the planet of you know seven billion, right? So there's six billion people. So the U.S. has a phenomenal advantage. That advantage is going to be eroding over the next 10 or 20 years very rapidly if the u.s doesn't get its act together and um my friend brock pierce ran for president you know he's not very well known in the presidential arena right but but he has incredibly good messaging on this particular subject and i'm very supportive of, of what he's doing because he really understands this and it's been interesting what's happening with him recently because of this bitcoin thing he's he's had so many calls from so many world leaders that are interested in this they want to do what el salvador is doing they don't want it nobody wants to get left behind um so panama is going to be doing something similar honduras is talking about it, even mexico so many countries and those are just in latin america right and there's more lots more i think the last i heard there were 30 or so nobody wants to get me left left behind um, and nobody wants to be have their neighbor be the one that does it first and captures the benefits of being having a better sort of decentralized financial system that attracts innovation and business investment, right? So blockchain is like water in that it's it's when you have a decentralized network, it flows around all obstacles. And what we've noticed is you know we've had 11 years now to watch what's happened with crypto and whether a country supports cryptocurrency or whether it blocks it completely makes it illegal promotes it tries to make its own it doesn't matter it's still growing in that country governments are almost irrelevant because these things are run by people and you'll find that because blockchains are so um useful and there's so many different varieties. It's such a so it's sort of a wonderful ecosystem. There are you, people are finding a use case for them in every country, no matter what that economic environment is, and no matter what government support or hindrance they get, people are finding a valuable use case. And a lot of that has to do right now with investment because 
this is a new form of money that's being created rapidly, like like never be before seen in the world. It's you know it's it's equivalent to the invention of paper money, right? But it's worldwide. It's a massive revolution. Um, I guess the, I guess you could say that the last big revolution was two thousand years ago in China, or whenever paper money was invented. If this is happening again, and it's a very limited amount of time before all the value that is in crypto will be there. You know, it will be at 100 trillion, 200 trillion or something like that. So there's this limited opportunity. And a lot of people ask me like, well, isn't it too late? You know, it's already gone up to 2 trillion. Well, it's not, but most of the value that will happen in this is still yet to be had. So it's not at all too late. It's still early stages. And now that banks and Elon Musk and PayPal and everybody's getting into it, there's no stopping it. These people, eventually enough people that actually run government, which is big business that runs government, when, once they accumulate enough of these cryptocurrencies, they will change, get the laws changed. They will get stuff done. That's happening sometime in the next five years, probably. They're coming into it. Michael Saylor's ar arguments on behalf of smart investing with Bitcoin are so good and so undeniable with 200% gains year upon year with 11 years, where he basically says, like, you should be criminally liable for being a bad investor if you're not in Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, you really can't argue with that. Like, it's just the truth, you know? 11 years of being the best asset investment asset in the world, how can you argue with that anymore? People still do, but they're just, you know, it's laughable that they do. You know, Bitcoin is such a good a good investment, and, and crypto is going, the rest of crypto is going right along with it. So people realize that around the world and they want this, they want it. And there's better and better use cases. And those use cases will only get much stronger once government gets out of the way. There's so many good use cases right now that would have already become much more used, widely used if government wasn't stopping it by creating, making it so difficult to pay your taxes and this kind of things based on what's happening in the crypto space. So would you would you say you mentioned rug pulls and DeFi earlier? Would you say that right now government is just kicking the can down the street so that they can get their act together in five years and then say, okay, crypto is good for everybody, you can invest now, um, after they've gotten all their ducks in a row and everything? Yeah, I just when I talk to people that know the people in the government, you know, there's people are cycling in and out. It's it's very it's not as centralized as people think. There's nobody really in charge. There's no you know dark room in a basement somewhere with twelve guys with cigars chomping on them, planning everything out. You know, it's there are so many different types of interests, and they're all fighting with each other. It's actually extremely decentralized, and it look it's it creates this illusion of centralization that it, somewhere along the way you have somebody at the top of the SEC, but that could change very quickly. You know. And and it and I don't think that I don't believe that there's you know conspiracy out there of people that are deciding stuff because people I know that know who who's actually doing this their thought process they're just behind you know they're busy they've got families they've got kids they don't know everything and so the SEC just kind of does what the SEC has already always done they just try to they just get in the way they try to stop things they assume everybody's a criminal and they are you know, going after the, the low-hanging fruit so they can look good, so they can get a promotion, you know. It's this kind of thing, you know. I know people that have been sued by the SEC that just, they didn't do anything wrong, but they just look like a juicy target, you know. And it's it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, the whole system is so ridiculous. And that's why it kind of a, 
I know, with El Salvador, it's nice. You've got a small country. It's so wrecked already. It's kind of like you can't you can't get any worse. So that's one of the things. They said, let's try something different. The system as it's been working, it's been such a horrible failure. In the U.S., it's a horrible failure, too. We just It's so big that you don't really see it. There's a slow process of destruction that's going on in, in, in the U.S. government with a massive printing of money and just people, you know, my, my, I feel so bad for my two daughters, the debt that's being put on them from the massive printing of money. And I'm not even against, like, printing of money. It just has to be done in an intelligent way, you know. Like, you know, Divi is a... a a proof of stake cryptocurrency. When you when you have a proof of stake cryptocurrency, your the money supply is growing, but the people getting that supply are the people that own it themselves. It's not all going to special interests. And that's what happens in the United States. If they if they it's not so bad in the United States, especially right now with COVID, that they're giving everybody some money, you know, because everybody's getting it. If everybody's getting it equally, well then it doesn't really change much, especially as every other country's doing it which is one of my friends explained to me, he was a financial expert, he said, you know, it's not so bad if the U.S. is doing that because every other country is doing it too, so it doesn't make the U.S. any worse off. But eventually it kind of adds up, right? You've got this huge debt, somebody's got to pay for that. Um, and people are having less and less kids, so you're going to have this problem of more huge amount of debt on less kids, less people working. And... Watching all that happen, sort of the slow motion train wreck of the U.S., so many things in the United States is is very saddening, I think, to all of us, but nobody really knows what what to do. And I, I feel that the solution is to take the money supply, money control away from a handful of people in the government, a bunch of people that are too old to, to understand new technology, and people like in the SEC that are mainly focused on punishment, and instead put it in the hands of entrepreneurs. If we can do that, then we're all going to be much better off. We do, we cannot explain very clearly how that's going to work out. But I do believe that if it's in the hand of entrepreneurs, then value will find find its way to people's hands. If you can give people an unfettered access to, to the global financial system, people will be able to create products that people actually want because they benefit their lives. And people should, and the government should focus on punishing bad actors. That's all they should do. If people steal from you. If people are hacking you or people are fishing, fishing, they should really focus on punishing people after the fact, not before, because that's what they do now. Everybody's everybody's being punished because they might create a crime sometime. You know what they should do is put all efforts into massive after after the after the fact. You know, punish criminals. Don't punish every single person to because of, because some somebody might be a bad actor, right? I agree. Thank you very much. Um, my sentiments exactly. So um, I want to thank you very much for your time today. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, I'm definitely going to download the for, for the WhatsApp and use that UDV project. Uh, I want to do that. Um, and I really enjoyed talking to you. So um, I have one last question. Um, and that is, how can people find out more information about you, about Divi Project, about Lightning Works, about what you're up to? How can they do that? Well, so Lightning Works is a it's basically an NFT company. We're about to release the world's first animated NFT-based comic books. Um, we have artists from Marvel and DC, and I'm talking with top top people in the biggest comic book companies in the world um, right now. I have an amazing team that we're building. We're going to be at Comic Con in New York um, in October. We have a 10 by 10 foot booth, so if anybody's in New York, come by. Um, 
and, and the best way to, to find me is just to Google, probably just Google me or go to divvyproject.org um, and you can find me there. You can also find me on a very accessible. So I write back to anybody that writes me, even trolls occasionally get very angry emails that are not happy that I haven't done some, done something to push the price to Divi up to where they want it to be. And so people give me their, you know, there are people like that. That's like, all they care about is price, right? And and they don't care. You know, we've tried to take the position that let's build really good products. Let's do things the right way and let all the others crash and burn someday when people start to actually care about tech, more, care more about technology and good and well-built companies, you know. Right now, there's, you know, we're still in the hype cycle. There's always some new, cool new thing to hype. Um, we've been taking the sort of the slow, slow road um and we built a community that believes in that and and are sticking with us so um probably the best way to find me you can just find me jeff McCabe, at jeff mccabe on telegram or uh yeah, join one of the divi groups and ask ask around for me if you want to get a hold of me great thank you very much for your time today okay you're welcome